So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This is our annual So You Waited to the Last Minute special. I am Matt, and I am taking on this episode solo. If you haven't heard these before, what it is is that we are down to the last few nights of Halloween Horror Nights, and if you waited to the last minute and you're not quite sure how to take on this event, here are some tips that we have put together from the rest of the season. All right, so first off, first thing to know is that we are coming up on a very long run of nights in this last-minute stretch. We have seven straight nights coming up, starting on October 25th. It goes 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st to cover Halloween. Then we get a little bit of a break. Then we have our very last two days and your very last chance to experience Halloween Hard Nights 27, and that is on November 3rd and 4th. The hours go back and forth on these nights a bit, Wednesday the 25th. They go from 6.30 to 1 a.m. Thursday, the 26th through Sunday, the 29th, it goes from 6.30 to 2 a.m. Then the rest of the run, and that is October 30th, 31st, November 3rd, and 2nd, the times are back to 6.30 to 1 a.m. If you're looking for the least amount of crowds, and I will never and can never say no crowds when it comes to Halloween Horror Nights, the key days in my guesstimation will be Sunday the 29th, Monday the 30th, and Tuesday the 31st. This is all subject to change, of course, but those kind of week-ish night days and with Halloween falling on that Tuesday, those seem like the, uh, what would you say, the most likely candidates to be the lesser of the huge crowds. So again, not based on any scientific or any kind of statistical information, just using my experience as a best guess for those days. November 3rd and 4th will probably be just as less crowded. Cannot use the word slow. Uh, maybe even more so. Hard to tell. Last year we had a November weekend closeout as well, but that was because of Hurricane Matthew. It wasn't advertised months and months ahead of time like it was this year. So I'm not entirely sure how much the uh, extra notice for anyone looking at Halloween Hard Nights will have on that, but I still think they are going to be uh, in that realm of the 29th, 30th, and 31st. Not as crowded. But again, there's always going to be a ton of people at Halloween Horror Nights. All right, number one tip, number one suggestion, and it has been for years and will be no matter what night you're talking about Halloween Horror Nights, that is Express Pass. But I do have some good news on that. Since you did wait till the last minute, you are starting to hit the lowest Express Pass prices since opening weekend. October 25th, it is $109.99. The 26th, it is $119.99. October 27th, it is $109.99. October 28th, it's $129.99. That is the most expensive in all the lists I'm going to give right here. October 29th, we're back down to $109.99 again. Then we really start to get a break on the prices. October 30th, it is $79.99. October 31st, $89.99. November 3rd and 4th, both nights are $79.99. 
You can guess when the price is lower, there's less crowds expected. But as I say, each and every year, this is the closest thing to a guarantee outside of the far more expensive RIP tour that you'll get to see all of the houses. In fact, this year on our news as night, we did our first three houses without express pass, hitting them right away, leaving us the option for repeat visit to those houses with express later that night when things got a lot busier. And that leads to my next big tip outside of buying an express pass. If you're already in the park that day, and why not, you can wait in one of the stay and scream areas prior to the start of the event with your Halloween Horror Nights ticket. The two areas are Springfield and Finnegan's. These are two distinctly different early access points. Springfield lets you out to one of the original houses, the Hive, and it also includes early access to the horrors of Blumhouse. Finnegan's offers early entry into two big licensed IP houses, American Horror Story and The Shining. I've done both Stay and Screams a couple times this year. The Springfield Stay and Scream area has gotten me through the two early entry houses much faster than the Finnegan's Stay and Scream. And that just makes sense because American Horror Story and The Shining are two of the biggest licensed attractions this year. That is probably to be expected. I prefer Springfield because after Blumhouse and The Hive, Scarecrow the Reaping is usually open or going to be open in a few minutes. Kind of making Springfield almost an unofficial three-in-one early entry start. I do want to state here that everything I've said is said with the caveat that the opening of any of these houses early is subject to change by Universal Studios at any time. So, all right, there are the big tips on how to make sure you see everything or at least get a jump on them. Let's talk about what to see if you are at that last-minute point and press for time. Let's talk about the scare zones. First scare zone I will talk about is Altars of Horror, also known as many things, but one thing, the selfie scare zone. If you're not doing stay and scream and entering from the front gate, this one is worth heading to by going straight through the gate and into the park and seeing it along the way. Assuming you don't have a particular goal in mind to go uh, off to the right anywhere, you can take the time to go through this, see everything that you need to see, and then go on with your night. If you do all the houses, you're going to see everything in this scare zone. This is the chance to take pictures with the characters. Otherwise, there's nothing here that you're not going to see somewhere else through the night. Next up, Invasion. If there's one we're seeing with the sun up and the sun down, this is the one. There's aliens crash landed on one side, military on the other. It's a fun scare zone. If you can, go through this in the daylight and definitely come back at night to see all the great lighting effects they have for this scare zone. If you can't see it twice, then make sure your one time through it is a night. That is the best of the two by far. Next up, Trick or Treat. Another one you could do during the day, but this is without a doubt meant to be seen at night. It is absolutely gorgeous. You don't need to be familiar with the movie at all to enjoy this scare zone. And if you don't know about this little trick, there is a path outside of the scare zone along the lagoon that gives you some phenomenal photo ops of the scare zone. When you go through the scare zone, on the lagoon side, there's two pillars with globe lights on top of them. And those, those lights are actually usually off, but you can't miss them if you're looking for them. That's the entrance to the path. Take a minute to go down that path. You won't be sorry. That leads us to Festival of the Deadliest. We often talk about the Hot House, which is the maze where all the really attractive men and women are for HHN. This year is a hot zone, and this is it. Day or night, we're seeing Probably better in the day, honestly, because the scare zone is actually very dark at night. 
Moving on to The Purge. This is definitely a night zone, in my opinion, and that might have to do with the fact that it's based after The Purge movies, which primarily take place at night. So for me, The Purge is best to see at night. Very easy to get to. It's kind of the uh, intersection for everywhere you want to go. You're going to be hard-pressed to actually miss this if you try to, so I don't think you will. So go ahead, go through The Purge, take it in, enjoy it. Last but not least, The Roaming Clown Hordes. Do they roam? Yes, around Springfield. And that's about it. I'm guessing there's some kind of legal issue preventing Halloween Horror Nights from designating Springfield as an official scare zone, but they do roam. It just happens to be only in Springfield. These are horrific clowns and their makeup this year is outstanding. And they all have chainsaws. This is one of the highlight scare zones this year for me because of the phenomenal character design. I highly recommend taking the time to visit this one. All right, let's move on to mazes from the point of view of waiting to the last minute. Our paths that we have talked about over the years on our podcast to visit the mazes are pretty much out the window this year in a sense because there's been an interesting change in the layout of the entrances and exits this year. They've, in a sense, grouped together some heavy-hitting pairs. And by grouped together, what I mean is that you go into one house, experience it, you come out of the exit, and you come out either next to or very close to the entrance of another house. These pairings are The Hive and Scarecrow the Reaping, American Horror Story and The Shining, and Dead Waters and The Fallen. I actually really like this change because you can experience two really exceptional mazes without having to traverse across the entire park. And really, there's no bad choice for these three groups. If you're a licensed IP fan, American Horror Story and The Shining's for you. If you want the shit scared out of you, The Hive and Scarecrow the Reaping is where you need to go. And if you want to see some of the most visually stunning houses of this year or any year of Halloween Horror Nights, Dead Waters and The Fallen has you covered. It's all really up to what you want to experience. And like I said, there's no bad choice. There are three more mazes, of course, two of them in the proximity of these groups. The Horrors of Blumhouse is a stone's throw away from the Hive and Scarecrow the Reaping, and Saw, the Games of Jigsaw, is not too far from American Horror Story and The Shining, as well as The Fallen and Dead Waters. That leaves Ash versus Evil Dead. Poor Ash, he has been, he's been tucked away as the only entrance in the kid zone area this year. But on the plus side, because of that, the wait times have been insanely low every time I've gone this season. Chances are, if you're pressed for time, you'll be able to fit a run through Ash vs. Evil Dead in just about any time of any of the nights with no problem. In fact, on my last visit, the express line was longer than the regular line. It was barely longer. We're talking two or three people, but technically it was still longer by the time I caught up with the back of the express line. One big caveat to that. The exit queue line for Ash might be the longest exit queue line in the history of exit queue lines. At one point, you might think you've made a wrong turn. You didn't. It is that long. Of course, with the scare zones and mazes, there are shows this year, two to be exact. Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure and Academy of Villains Afterlife. Of course, getting to, sitting through, and leaving a show takes time. So what is your best bet in this last-minute situation? It's a no-brainer. It is Bill and Ted. Sorry, Academy of Villains, but this is the last ever Bill and Ted show for Halloween Horror Nights. That is some super tough competition. If you only have time for one, it has to be Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure. You will not have another opportunity to see this show ever again. So do not miss it. It is literally not only your last minute, but your last chance to see this show. Food and drink. We always talk about food and drink in the last minute episode. 
Food this year, I'm going to say, it's been a little lackluster. I'll be honest. On the plus side of that, I've not waited long for anything that I've gotten food-wise. So that's a plus when you're managing your time. There are a few highlights to mention, of course. Twisted Taters, of course, over by Transformers. It is a staple of Halloween Horror Nights. It's a staple of News Has, staple of the podcast. You've undoubtedly heard us talk about them many, many times. There's Donuts on a Stick over in the New York area just before The Purge. That's a new addition as well. It delivers on its name. They're donuts and they're on a stick. If you need a sugar rush, it's a good grab-and-go option for that. Pizza fries. This is over in the kids' area. You'll find it on your way to Ash vs. Evil Dead. This is the big addition to the event this year. I've had them. Not mad, but not something I've run back to try again. If you're curious, I'd say try them. Again, not bad. One issue to consider, though, it's not a real grab-and-go. It's a dish. You kind of actually have to sit down to finish it, so it will stop you for a few minutes. If you need the break and you need to refuel, this is probably a pretty good option for that. Drinks. All right. That's probably what people are paying more attention to from us than anything else. Let's talk about beers. It is Dufftoberfest over in Springfield. This is the limited edition Marzen in Springfield that is pouring during Halloween Horror Nights at least while supplies last, fingers crossed that I can get to the end of the event with a Dufftoberfest in my hand. If you do get one of Duff Gardens, make sure you take just a second to raise your cup towards the street between Duff Gardens and Moe's and congratulate my sister and co-host Karen and her now fiance Kevin on their engagement that took place at Halloween Horror Nights in Springfield with a full horror clown chainsaw salute. More on that in an upcoming episode. Continuing on with beers, there are no event beers this year, but there is an interesting choice of brewer to feature, Red Cypress Brewery. They are serving Spook Hill Pale Ale on tap and Devil's Chair IPA in cans. This is a really interesting choice because both are really strong and bitter beers. I was incredibly happy to see that. I've been enjoying Spook Hill and Devil's Chair for probably over a year now. But they are some strong, hoppy profiles. I was surprised to see them at all the bars. So if you're a hot forward beer person, try one or both because they are excellent for that. If you're more of a kind of balanced or middle of the road, this might send your taste buds for a little bit of a, a loop. They're a bit of a palate wrecker. There's also a pumpkin ale again this year. This year is provided by Shipyard Brewing. It's the Shipyard Pumpkin Ale. I've also had this outside of Halloween Horror Nights. It's a, a well-made standard pumpkin ale. If you like pumpkin ales, you're all set. There's also Fat Tire and Bud Light on top of most of the bars and maybe a couple other at the bigger bars. I honestly don't make it past getting a Spook Hill draft, so I'm not entirely sure. But the ones I listed are absolutely at all the bars I have visited this season. We, of course, cannot cover drinks without mentioning the signature drinks of the year. There are three, technically two, but well, let me, let me explain it. First, Liquid Fear. It's vodka, cranberry juice, and lemonade. Then there's Liquid Courage, which is tangerine rum, orange juice, and Sprite. Then that third, I say with a question mark, or said with a question mark, is Midnight Madness, and that is a 50-50 of both. And in this case, unlike Halloween Horror Nights 26, they're not mixed together. They feature a square cup that is split down the middle. Half of it has Liquid Fear. The other half has Liquid Courage, and there's a twisty straw that forks off halfway through. They put in the cup so you can attempt to sip one side or the other or drink them i think you're supposed to drink them both all at once it took me way too long to finally taste these drinks this year but i did and i did a live recording of that tasting so here's my live recording and my live reaction and first-hand account of the signature drinks at halloween horror nights 27 
All right, I am here with a live review of the signature drinks, or the event drinks, whatever you want to call them, probably an R-Nice 27. Long overdue, not only review, but tasting for me. I have not had, well, that's not true. I haven't had the one yet. I did have one at the media event, which I just realized. I was going to say I haven't had any, but that's that's not entirely true. But I kind of forget what it was, because that was weeks ago at this point. So I am right outside the purge. The auction is starting, but you can probably hear in the background... The signature drinks, if you don't know what they are, they are Liquid Fear, which is a vodka cocktail with cranberry juice and lemonade, and Liquid Courage, which is a tangerine rum cocktail with orange juice and Sprite. And then there is the Midnight Madness. They have a, a unique cup this year. It's a square-shaped rectangle with a split down the middle where they can put half on one side and half on the other, kind of uh, improving uh, conceptually, I should say. I don't know if it's an improvement yet, but conceptually on the uh, mixing the two drinks last year with the two chance-themed drinks. So I'm going to go ahead and start with the Liquid Courage because that is the one I did not try. That's a tangerine rum, orange juice, and Sprite. So I'm going to give that a taste right now. Okay, well, I will say the predominant... <laughs> there's some motorcycles coming by for the... Per oh, it's the auction. It's the uh, bread truck with the uh, people that are going to auction off. So the predominant flavor in there. Definitely the the hard citrus of the orange juice and then followed up with the, the liquor and maybe the Sprite taking the edge off the liquor. But definitely a citru citrusy taste on that. So now I'm going to try the Liquid Fear which I've had before, but it's, uh, again, a recap vodka cocktail with cranberry juice and lemonade. And actually, considering the cranberry juice is the something that usually stands out to me, that doesn't stand out. In fact, the mixture of that and the lemonade kind of makes a really nice, uh, sweet balance of a, kind of a sweet lemonade. Um, actually, I'm surprised I like that better because I just don't like cranberry juice. I'm going to taste that again. Yeah, I really like that. But, here's the thing. I did get the Midnight Madness. Like I said, half of it is filled with liquid courage, half with liquid fear. And there's a twisty straw that splits halfway down and goes into both. So you're supposed to drink them both at the same time. So I'm going to try that right now and see what it tastes like. Well, it's not as repulsive as I, as I thought, but it is not that pleasant. I just took another taste to make sure I had an even step on both. Yeah, that's not a... I actually prefer both of them singularly. Sing singularly? That's what I, meant, what I meant to say. I did not enjoy that together. I, I would rather have either one of them separately. But, for me, for my taste, Liquid Fear. But honestly, Liquid Courage is not bad either. So, um, I would say, honestly, since they're both pretty good, I'd go ahead and get the Midnight Madness and kind of break apart the top of the straw like I'm about to do right now to make this easier and enjoy one at a time. Or if, you're, if the uh, taste profiles I gave you don't interest you at all, then go ahead and just uh, order one on the other based on your taste. But they're actually both pretty darn good. Not very high alcohol content, I don't think. At least I don't taste it. So you're not going to get too torn up. But, uh, I mean, you will if you drink more. But uh, just one will probably do you pretty good, especially early in the night. So that's my first turn report for this So You Waited Till the Last Minute 2017 edition. Now we'll go back to the studio to finish up that episode. One thing I didn't note in that recording, which I found out right away when I got the drink, is that those twisty straws I talked about are not uh, heat molded together. You can 
pinch the top and untwist them really well and have a straw on each side and you can easily put them back together if you want to try drinking both drinks at the same time or drinking one at a time. I'm telling you that because trying to sip out of the cup will spill the fuller drink into the side you're drinking on and affect your taste. So if you're cheating like me and getting both drinks in one without having to buy two drinks, make sure you untwist that straw so that you can get a nice sample of the drink you're trying to uh, taste at the time. All right, now that we're done at food and drink, that brings us up to the point in this annual episode where I give my annual pros and cons, my personal pros and cons of each house to help if you happen to not only have waited to the last minute to go, but the last few hours of the last minute to go and are really short on time. So here we go. American Horror Story Volume 2. This features the American Horror Story seasons Asylum, Coven, and Roanoke. Pros. Just about as good as last year. Hits all the major memorable scenes from Coven Asylum and Roanoke. Better scares, in my opinion, this year than last year, making it more enjoyable for people who don't know American Horror Story well. Long house. Longest house by far. Cons. Just like last year, long waits start early. But I have seen them drop significantly later in the night, unlike last year. So maybe that balances between pros and cons. Still very IP heavy, even with the better scares. An American Horror Story fan is going to get a lot more out of this than a non-American Horror Story fan. There is a line switcheroo. Express and regular line get in the same door, but behind that door is another line inside the building. This will be your longest wait for Express no matter when you go. The Shining. This is the 1980 film brought to life in Halloween Horror Nights maze form. Pro, I said in my initial review of this season, one of the best, if not the best, movie to maze interpretations they've done yet. This is what I wanted The Exorcist to be last year. I love this maze. Cons, I don't have much to say on the con side. If anything, much like American Horror Story, if you don't know the movie, you might not be as impressed as you could be if you've seen the movie. You could argue that it doesn't have as many scares as the other houses, but the scenic elements and the rooms are the bigger focal point than the scares. So I guess if you're looking for scares, it might be a little bit of a con that there are not as many in this as other houses. Moving on to the fallen, and now we're talking about their original mazes. And I want to say right off the bat, if I hadn't said it before in this episode, their original mazes are very possibly the best set of originals I have seen in the, was it been 18 years of going to Halloween Horror Nights now? Certainly in the past, uh, I'd say five or six, when I really started to pay attention and start taking note of things and, and doing this, certainly since doing this show. These four originals are absolutely amazing. But okay, with that, let's move on to the Fallen. Website reads, you're about to be caught in the crossfire of the eternal war of light versus dark, and no one will be saved. I'm going to say throw that idea out of your head when you go into this. Think more of it. Dark has invaded the light and is taking over. And I think that story might play out in this house better. This maze took me a few runs for it to grow on me. But once it did, it became one of my top mazes this year. Pro, fantastic set and fantastic character designs. Another pro, some of my favorite moments and scenes from the entire event are in this house. Con, some of the best elements can be missed if you're not in the right place at the right time. But those moments are so good, it's really worth the gamble. Dead Waters, another original maze for Halloween Horror Nights 27. Website reads, enter the pestilent swamp that oozed evil, the hellish realm of the voodoo queen. Pro, 
You've never witnessed an opening scene like this one at any Halloween Horror Nights. It is absolutely gorgeous. There are moments in this house where you feel like you are in the middle of a wooded swamp that extends out forever, even though you're clearly in a soundstage. Cons, not the scariest house, but this one doesn't need to be. It is just so great to look at and experience. It's one of the most immersive worlds they've created in a maze at Halloween Horror Nights. Saw, the games of Jigsaw. This is based up to the Saw franchise and added a few scenes from the upcoming movie Jigsaw, which is actually coming out a few days from when I'm recording, so it may be out by the time you go. Pros, great recreation of some of the most memorable puzzles from the Saw movies. I don't think there was one that I saw that I questioned was from Saw. So even if they weren't direct copies, even if there were interpretations, they fit so well with what the Saw franchise has created. It works really well in this maze. Cons, there's a large character concentration from Saw 3 and up, so if you're not a fan of the later installments, this one might not be for you. Ash vs. Evil Dead, another licensed IP based on the cable series Ash vs. Evil Dead. Pros, fun house. I laughed out loud my last run through this at something one of the Ash characters did. A lot of great scenes and recreations from the show, and one of my favorite elements near the very end of it. Cons, it could be one of the pros from a different point of view. A lot of great scene and recreations from the show. If you don't know the scenes, you might not get the full joke. But a bonus pro after all that, as I mentioned before, it's tucked away in the kids zone and the lines are usually ridiculously short all night for this maze. Horrors of Blumhouse. This is Sinister the Purge and Insidious with a little bit of a preview to Insidious 4. Pro. Great Insidious moments. The stuff from Insidious 4 looks pretty damn cool, actually. Con, if you're headed to this made for Sinister of the Purge, you're going to be disappointed. There's no way around that. Those two movies are barely represented in this house. The Hive. From the website again, the crumbling house on 19 Hemingway Lane harbors a nest of bloodthirsty vampires. Pros, these are beastly vampires absolute creatures not dracula no twilights these are monsters loud aggressive and scary cons seems like you're either gonna love or hate this house i will say that the character design is repeated and this is in some ways the blood house of the year though i think i would actually tie that with saw if i were to officially rank them if that's not your type of vampire story and you're looking for more a more wide array of character designs and the makeup this might not be what you're looking for Finally, and there is a reason I save this for last, Scarecrow the Reaping. From the website, it says, At a long-abandoned Depression-era farm, vengeance takes root, and the only harvest that will be reaped is you. Pro, this is now my all-time favorite original Halloween Horror Nights maze ever. I have not been as scared, nor had my heart race as much as I did the first few runs through this maze this season. It has been a long time since a maze has got to me the way this one does, and the last three rooms of this house are fucking amazing. Con, because of that, it may be too intense for some people, but I do have to say that if you want to see what the creative and design team for Halloween Horror Nights do and see it at their best, you have to see Scarecrow the Reaping. All right, to wrap up here, here's my absolute must-do short list. If you are completely out of time, not only this season, but in the night you go, 
These are the scare zones you have to go to. You have to go to Invasion and Trick or Treat. If you don't have Express Pass and you're running out of time, these are the houses you have to go into. Scarecrow the Reaping, The Fallen and Dead Waters. If you're a big fan of American Horror Story, see that. If you're a big fan of The Shining, see that as well. Really, in the end, there's no way to go wrong when you go to any of the houses this year. If you go to the ones that you have on your must-see list and then kind of line shop for the rest of the night, you're going to be okay. Must-see show, said it before, to say it one more time, Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure, The Farewell Tour, and that is why, because it is The Farewell Tour, this show is going away. It is your absolute last time to see it at Halloween Horror Nights. All right, with all that, that is this year's So You Waited Until a Last Minute special, my tips and tricks and guide to Halloween Horror Nights 27. I'll be there a fair number of nights these closing weekends, including the last two nights, November 3rd and 4th. If you don't already follow Neozaz on Twitter, check out that account. That's where I post the nights I'm there, where I'm at, and post most of all my Halloween Horror Nights-related social media stuff. We will have our full team full spoiler review immediately after the end of the event so if you want to hear what everyone on the show thinks about this year's event you'll want to check out that episode all right i'd say that finally does it for this episode i want to thank you for listening quentin karen will be joining me again soon on the catacombs of halloween our nights podcast until then thank you one more time for listening and i'll see you in that next episode thank you for listening to the catacombs of halloween horror nights podcast the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.